Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the StonePay's Archeo News Podcast number 268. I'm your host, Philip Hansen. For the first podcast of the new year, we have some very exciting stories, which we, of course, have found all over the internet. You can always go to news.stonepages.com, where you can find the sources to all of the stories for today's podcast, as well as any stories that we may have missed. And trust me, there are quite a few interesting ones there. The news have been gathered by Diego, as well as his lovely team of editors, and we've all put it there in one place for you guys to find. But without further ado, let's get to these stories. Starting off, we of course have a Stonehenge story, namely some modern drilling around Stonehenge has sadly ruined a prehistoric lair. Following that, we'll be talking about the hopeful reconstruction of the Kafnev Brook. After that, we'll be going to China, where false skulls have been dated, and one is the oldest one to be found in China so far. The fourth story is one on the ritualistic removal of fingers by prehistoric people, and is a very interesting story to say the least. Following that, we have an update to a story we posted in December. Namely, a stone circle found in Scotland was actually found to be a replica, and much younger than previously thought. Following our jaunt around Scotland, we'll be going to Sweden, where the oldest plague bacteria have been found. And then we'll be going to Bulgaria to look at a massive Copper Age axe hoard, which is the largest one to be found in Europe. And last but certainly not least, we'll be having a look at the oldest burial in Ecuador. And for the first story of today's Archaeo News podcast, we have archaeologists accusing Highways England of accidentally drilling a large hole through a 6,000-year-old structure near Stonehenge during the preparatory work for a tunnel. Allegedly, the drilling of the site took place at Blake Mead, which is around a mile and a half from Stonehenge, and has enraged archaeologists who say that the engineers have dug a 3-meter-deep hole, which is about 10 feet, through a man-made platform of flint and animal bone. While Highways England said that they were not aware of any damage to the archaeological layers on the site, they were going to meet with archaeological team leader David Shocks, a senior research fellow at the University of Buckingham. Now, while this is the first incident that we're reporting on, archaeologists have been concerned about the construction of a tunnel and a flyover near the site before the drilling even occurred, as it is believed that it will cause the water table to drop, damaging remains preserved in waterlogged ground. The highways agency have agreed to monitor water levels as part of the ongoing project for building the tunnel. Now, the platform through which the hole has been drilled preserved the hoofprints of an aurochs, which is a giant prehistoric cattle that are now extinct. According to David Shocks, this is a travesty. We took great care to excavate this platform and the aurochs hoofprints. We believe hunters considered this area to be a sacred place even before Stonehenge. These monster cows, double the size of normal cattle, provided food for 300 people. So we're revered. If the tunnel goes ahead, the water table will drop and all the organic remains will be destroyed. It may be that there are footprints here which would be the earliest tangible signs of life at Stonehenge. If the remains aren't preserved, we may never be able to understand why Stonehenge was built. If the remains aren't preserved, we may never be able to understand why Stonehenge was built. Now, Blakemead is part of the Stonehenge and Avebury UNESCO World Heritage Site, and a spokesperson from Highways England said, We are not aware of any damage being caused to archaeological layers. We notified Professor David Jocks of the locations of our water table monitoring and have adhered to the guidelines in carrying out the work. Our assessments so far indicate that construction of the scheme will have no significant effects on the Blakemead area, and we are undertaking this further hydrological investigation. 
And for our next story, we have something that most of you have probably seen somewhere either on Facebook, because I have seen it being shared around there, or just in general. Namely, the bid to rebuild a Iron Age tower in Scotland. Now, an archaeological charity is pushing ahead with an ambitious plan to construct a full-size replica of an Iron Age rock in Scotland. This is under the Caithness Brock Project and has launched a crowdfunding campaign to help raise the money to cover the £20,000 cost of the design brief. If successful, it would be the first Brock to be built in Scotland in more than 2,000 years, and Caithness specifically is a good area because it has more Brock sites than anywhere else in Scotland. The aim of the project is to raise awareness of the remains of more than 180 ancient stone built towers in the area. Ruined rocks can also be found in other parts of the Highlands, including Glenick and Orkney. The director of the project, Kenneth McElroy, said, The project design brief document will help to inform and refine a number of points concerning the project, from architectural design to sustainability. It is a vital component in the development of our plan to build the first rock in Scotland in over 2,000 years. Hoskin Architects and Jura Consultants are both working on the replica project. Uh, sadly, by the time that this podcast comes out, the project funding will have ended, so we can only hope that they have reached their targeted goal by the time that this podcast uh, airs for all of you. And now for our next story, where we go to China, where a human skull exceeds 10,000 years of age. The human skull in question was found about 1,000 kilometers north of Beijing in the Inner Mongolia Autonomous Area that is near China's border with Russia. And it was dated to be more than 10,000 years old, uh, with a carbon-14 dating on four skull samples, confirming the oldest to be dated to be around 13,113 years ago, while the other three were found to be 7,400, 1,600, and 1,000 years old. The area the skulls were found in is believed to be the origin of the prairie culture of northern China. While only four skulls were tested, there are many, many more, the first being found in 1933 by coal miners who were digging in an open pit, and by 1996, 22 such skulls had been discovered. However, due to the non-archaeological excavation of these skulls, it was very difficult to determine how old the skulls are. And sadly, many have been lost since they were originally found. Wang Wei, who is the president of the Chinese Society of Archaeology, says they had learned to turn stones into slim blades and bind them onto bone tools as knife edges for cutting animals, and added that such skills were the most advanced in the world at that time. DNA analysis of the skulls will be announced later, and it is hoped that more skulls may be found. For our next story, we actually have something that I have never heard about, and it actually sounds quite interesting. Namely, that ritual finger amputation may explain the missing fingers in the Paleolithic people. This is the result of a research done by a trio at Simon Fraser University in Canada, who theorized that ritualistic finger amputation may have occurred during the Upper Paleolithic, and explains the number of missing fingers in depictions from that time. The researchers are Bria McCauley, David Maxwell, and Max Collard, who outline the reason for their theory, although they do acknowledge that it is uh, a little bit lackluster as far as evidence goes so far. Archaeologists who studied cave art and walls by early humans of the Upper Paleolithic era have found that a lot of hand pictures have missing fingers, and much of the art consists of handprints or outlines of hands, where from we can see the missing fingers. Looking closer at the art, a lot of the hands appear to be missing a finger or two or even three or four. Now, the researchers have noted that rough conditions could account for missing fingers, particularly frostbite, but it does seem like more fingers are missing than would seem likely. People would hopefully learn to not let their fingers freeze, for example, and also there are missing fingered art appearing in places where it would be too warm for frostbite. 
due to the sheer number, it does suggest that something else is going on. Now to give you some numbers to see what everybody is talking about, in Cote Gagas in France, for example, 114 out of the 231 hand images have missing fingers. And in another cave in France, the average is even higher at 28 out of 49. The researchers have also taken into account maybe the hand positioning, noting that the hand paintings on the cave walls in Cote Gagas are quite flat, which rules out the possibility that some fingers were simply held back as the print was being made. These events are not just isolated to France, with the team looking at history books and finding that 121 groups of people living on different continents have found to engage in finger amputation rituals. Now it is believed that this ritual could have taken many forms, with some early people having done it as part of a religious ceremony or as a way to mourn the loss of a loved one, while others may have done it as a punishment ritual. However, there is no way to prove that such rituals occurred or that the international cutting of fingers was carried out by people of the Upper Paleolithic. However, the researchers contend there is enough evidence to warrant further investigation. For our next story, we have an update to a news story we published at the end of December. This is about the recumbent stone circle that was found in Aberdeenshire in Scotland. Sadly, through archaeological investigations, it has found that the stones are only about 20 years old and not as old as previously thought. As I mentioned, it was originally thought the site was part of a recumbent stone circle until the man who built it came forward. And the findings did spark excitement among experts and were widely reported, including, as I did mention here on Stone Pages. And they were originally celebrated to be authentic by Adam Welfare of Historic Environment Scotland and Aberdeenshire Council's Archaeology Service. Though further archaeological analysis of the stones was being conducted when the former owner of the farm contacted Mr. Welfare and said he'd built the stone circle in the 1990s circa. Neil Ackerman, who is the Historic Environment Record Assistant at the Aberdeenshire Council, said the development was disappointing, but hoping the site would still be appreciated. Saying more specifically, I hope the stones continue to be used and enjoyed. While not ancient, it is still in a fantastic location and makes for a great feature in the landscape. Mr. Ackerman also added, these types of monuments are notoriously difficult to date. For this reason, we include any modern replicas of ancient monuments in our records in case they are later misidentified. We always welcome reports of any new, modern reconstructions of ancient monuments, especially those built with the skill of this stone circle and that reference existing monument types. And now we go to Sweden, where the oldest traces of the plague have been found. This was found in a 5,000-year-old grave outside of Falköping in Sweden, where scientists have found the oldest traces of the plague bacterium's DNA in the world. The researchers also believe that this discovery may identify the first pandemic in history which stretched from Europe across to Asia as a result of the new trade routes in this period. These finds were made at Forsagon in Grigheim outside of Falköping in a passage grave, which is a kind of grave with large stone burial chambers. Traces of the DNA of Yersinia pestis, which is the bacteria that causes uh, the plague, was found in the skeletons in the Middle Neolithic farmers who had lived at the site approximately 4,900 years ago. This bacterium is the deadliest in human history and has cost millions of people their lives. The discovery was made by a team from France, Denmark, and Sweden, which included the archaeologist Christian Christiansen and Karl Göran Schuren from the University of Gothenburg. Schuring says, the discovery of such an early variant of the bacterium in Fettersheeping was totally unexpected since previous findings pointed to Yersinia's pestis as having originated in Asia. The researchers believe that they may also have solved another mystery due to this find. 
It was only recently discovered that people in different regions of Eurasia were all infected with the plague during the Bronze Age. But when the disease first appeared and how it spread has been unknown until now. So it is believed that the variant of the bacterium discovered in fetish raping seems to have given rise to all of the subsequent variants, and it is believed to have spread rapidly since then uh, because of the bacterium being discovered uh, in finds dating from just a few hundred years later across a huge area of Eastern Europe to Central Asia. Shurgan also adds, we think now that the first plague may have occurred in the Tuchenko Trupilia culture, north of the Black Sea a few hundred years before the find and fetish raping, and then spread to both the west and the east, changing along the way. Its spread may have been facilitated by better communications such as ox wagons, which were then starting to be used. What allowed researchers to discover how the plague bacterium spread rapidly in Eurasia between 5,000 to 6,000 years ago was due to something called a molecular clock. This molecular clock matches exactly a period in Southeast Europe when the first large population densities arose but then also collapsed. It was also at this time that many technological breakthroughs occurred, such as the wheel, the use of drawn animals, and metallurgy. Breakthroughs that facilitated long-distance trade, for example. And now for the second-to-last story of today's podcast, we have a horde of Copper Age axes being discovered in Bulgaria. The hoard consists of 6,500-year-old copper axes and axe hammers, which is Europe's largest find so far, and has been discovered by accident near the town of Polkonovic, Taslakovo, in northeast Bulgaria. The axes and axe hammers are from the Chalcolithic period, which is also known as the Enneolithic or the Copper Age, and was announced by archaeologist Dimitar Chanakov. The prehistoric tool hoard contains a total of 22 tools, including 18 flat axes and 4 axe hammers, with a combined weight of 11.6 kilograms. All of the tools are made of an alloy with a high content of copper, which was cast into molds, and the tools date from 4500 to 4200 BCE. The Ruse Regional Museum of History says, The discovery find is the largest of its kind in Europe so far. It is a testimony to the development and sophistication of the earliest metallurgy in human history. The axes bear hardly any traces that they were used, which leads to the supposition that they were not meant for practical purposes, but were an indicator of prestige or were used as means of exchange. The archaeologist Dimitar Chenakov explains that the prehistoric axes and axe hammers from Polkonovic Talaskovo belong to the second-slash-third phase of the cultural complex Kojadaman Gulmetnica Karanovo VI, also saying it cannot be ruled out that the copper axes might have been manufactured in some of the large metal processing centers of the prehistoric civilization on the western coast of the Black Sea, such as today's Vana, Durandkulga, and Sosopol. The axes were then prepared and sent for distribution into the eternal parts of the Balkan Peninsula. Chernikov reveals that this hoard was found back in 2013 by accident by local farmers who were plowing the fields at a depth of about one meter. On top of the axe hoard, there was an egg-shaped limestone rock as well as fragments from pottery vessels. However, according to another archaeologist, Vladimir Slavchev, from the Vana Museum of Archaeology, who also studied the site, said that the ceramics were from a later period, the Late Iron Age. Since the site has not been properly excavated, the archaeologists are therefore unable to say whether the axe hoard was part of the Chalcolithic layer. It has been pointed out by Chernikov that the axe hoard might have been part of one of the four settlement mounds that were located in the area where the axes and axe hammers were found. 
The Copper Age axes and axe hammers have now been put on display for the first time to the public by the Regional Museum of History in the Danube city of Silistra. And for the last story of today's podcast, because we have been hanging around so much in the Northern Hemisphere and in the very, very cold areas of it, and also because of the fact that it is snowing outside my window right now, uh, let's do the last story in Ecuador. Here, archaeologists have found the oldest burials in Ecuador. These archaeologists are from the Far Eastern Federal University, FEFU, and they found three burials of the ancient inhabitants of South America that date from 6,000 to 10,000 years ago. The excavations were carried out in Atahulba Anton, Ecuador, with the findings belonging to the Las Vegas archaeological culture of the Stone Age. Now, previously, the FEFU scientists had investigated Neolithic settlements in Real Alto, and in 2018, they decided to study an earlier site in order to trace the development of ancient cultures on the Pacific coast opposite to the Pacific coast of Russia. Alexander Popov, who is the director of the Educational and Scientific Museum of the School of Humanities of FEFU, said, The archaeological site of Loma Atahulpa is more archaic than Real Alto. Its materials are transitional from the Mesolithic to the Neolithic. We excavated three burials that were probably made at different times. This will make it possible to compare their materials and retrieve the new information on the development of ancient cultures in the period from 10,000 to 6,000 years ago. The stone tools found on the excavations were sent to Tohoku University in Japan for traces of mechanical activity in order to understand how they were used. Now the finds have been spread out a little bit. The stone tools that were found were examined at the Tohoku University in Japan for traces of mechanical activity in order to determine how they were used, and there were also sent samples for radiocarbon dating. Simultaneously, anthropologists from the Kunstkamera, which is the Peter the Great Museum of Anthropology and Ethnography at St. Petersburg, and the Institute of the Problems of Northern Development, Siberian branch of the Russian Academy of Sciences, which is in Tumen, Russia, began to study the morphological features of the human remains found. And with that last story out of Ecuador, we have sadly reached the end of today's podcast. However, if you haven't had enough of Stone Pages news today, you can always go to news.stonepages.com to look at any of the stories that we may have missed in today's podcast. And trust me, there are quite a few. You can also head over to our Facebook group, Stone Pages, Megalithic Sites of Europe, where you can join in the discussions with other members, and you can also kind of look at what other members are posting and what we kind of find interesting. There definitely have been some very, very awesome megalithic posts there. In relation to the ritualistic removing of fingers, I just actually discovered a project today, which is the HandPass Project, H-A-N-D-P-A-S Project, which is a Spanish website that documents all of the different hand paints that are all over southwestern Europe. I'll ask Diego to post a link in the description of this podcast so you guys can follow the link and check out the website for yourself. It is very cool, and one of the pages actually has a 3D model of what the outside of the cave looks like, which is very cool. But without further ado, I sadly have to say goodbye, and I hope I will see you guys next time.